0: Hi, everyone. This is Mark Matava from the Club of Pep here with Charlie and Alex, your treasurer and president. And we are doing podcast 001, podcast one of the Pep Talk podcast where we bring in speakers, have debates, do interviews, do various different things. And yeah, we're looking forward to getting into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at a variety of different issues and also talking about what the Club of Pep do and how students can get involved with it as well from the PPE community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us on today, Mark. Well, yeah, so if you guys would like to introduce yourselves quickly and then we'll talk about exactly what this podcast is for.
1: Okay, so I'm Alex. I am the co president uh, with Kez of the Club of Pep. So, one thing that me and Kez wanted to do this year was a lot more socials. So, we've seen that happen over the course of the term, hopefully more next term. We also wanted to improve the Pep Parents Scheme as well, which is something we were still working on too. And we also wanted to provide more academic support for Pep students, which is something that's been facilitated actually through the PAL Scheme. So, that's sort of our objectives, are. Our, our role is essentially just looking after everyone, really. And we don't have a... We're very, We're a very general role, to be honest. Yeah. But it's mainly about setting the direction and facilitating what the rest of committee want to do. Charlie, yeah. do you want to introduce yourself? The, as the a, big bosses. Uh, the big bosses, <laughs> exactly.
2: Uh, I, I'm quite a more specified role. I'm the treasurer, which means that I basically... Um, Make sure no one's embezzling. Yeah. While well, you <laughs> yeah. embezzle all, all of it yourself. All, yeah, exactly. It's one or the other. No, um, I, I sort of control the purse strings. Well, I say that. It's sort of done by... If there's big, big money being spent, we have to go through the rest of the committee. But I kind of, you know, I'm in control of looking at the money coming into the account, going out of the account, and making sure that the club's in a sort of healthy financial position with pricing uh, for tickets, etc. So trying to make things priced as fair as possible for, for, for students. That's what my role is, really.
0: Yeah, great. And then I already said this, but I'm the speaker's officer, recently elected, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting some speakers in here. But until then, we're going to have this podcast sort of be... Uh, even an inter-society sort of medium for discussion about Politics, philosophy, and economics—obviously—but uh, have it have it be different every time. Like uh, the next time, I think we're looking at a, a post-election analysis, which uh, which should be fun. So that'll that be, be that'll fair. be zero zero two. Well, depending on what the outcome is, it should be fun. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, we get we get into it. We'll <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let's not start. <laughs> <laughs> <and> That's <then laughs> no, no. kind of what. No, that, that is. You're you're definitely right there. So I think that we move right on to the Athens trip mm. because this is something coming up that I'm sure a lot of people are excited for. There was a social yesterday that I don't know if. I don't know how many people went to that. It was sort of 10,
2: I think it was. Which is a third of the people who who are going... I mean, in our first year, Alex and I, you know... We met there. We met, yeah. yeah, well
1: we met in inverted commas in a seminar for international politics yeah but I, that's my first new name
2: but um <laughs> sounds very really romantic in a weird way but it wasn't it were, um but uh, no, but, so we had the first sort of saw each other across the room exactly yeah, it was, eye, yeah, I it? Saw, it was I saw this guy and I thought
1: yeah hey, he's actually not weird <laughs> <it's>, uh... <laughs>
2: um but no we had the first uh, sort of wine and cheese night if you will last night mm. uh, avita and you know everyone sort of met each other well 10 of us met each other which is nice and you know it would be a great trip because everyone there's lovely and it it, it always is a lovely trip but um yeah that's the sort of last thing we do before we we actually go away in in january
1: yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, for me, the, the, the PPE trip to wherever it's been has been the highlight of my year, pretty much, when I've been in university. Yeah, mm. so if
0: both of you guys want to tell a story or give some sort of testimonial of the trips you've been on, uh, one was to Barcelona and the other to... Brussels. 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 Okay. i start with the Brussels, your Brussels one, then I'll do Barcelona <laughs> and then you do Brussels.
2: Yeah, Brussels. Top so... stories
0: only, top stories only. Yeah.
1: Top stories only. Well, I've, okay, so first of all, Brussels is an amazing place. There's so much to do there. Um... The beer is, is fantastic as well. Uh, we went to a bar called Delirium on one of the nights. That was fantastic. But also, I mean, we saw the European Parliament with a lot of cultural things. It sort of feeds into that work hard, play hard atmosphere that the PP community can generate sometimes. Uh, but I think also one thing that we saw, and we, I mean, talking of which, looking at the itinerary at the start, they had in every single night, there was a night out at the end of the schedule. And then at the start of every single day, it was 6am breakfast. Which and I just isn't I saw a wise that. thing to do. And it, no. So this year, I think Matt and Max, and Matt might speak to us a bit later, who have arranged the trip, have put nothing before midday. So if Mid, you're listening yeah, and you're going on a trip, don't worry. You will have a, a lion. I
2: mean, you got dragged into the, the, one of the 6M <laughs> <little> <laughs> so brewery tours, didn't so you? This what's, was
1: what's a nightmare. let so, the story. So uh, I saw the next day that there was going to be a Stella Artois tour, brewery tour, and I thought, you know, we're here for four nights. I'm going out most of those nights. Tonight, I'm going to go for Pre's and basically go back a bit early and have a night off. So I, we finished Pree's at about midnight, sort of around then. Yeah. I walked back to the hostel. Obviously, I was the only person from my room not going out, which is the start of the, the errors that, that then followed. I got home. I tried to go to sleep. Obviously, I'd had a few drinks at pre, so I couldn't quite fall asleep yet. So I got to sleep around 1. And then around, at 1.30, I think Edwin Barnes got <laughs> back from the night out and uh, came into the room and said, oh, hey, Alex, because I was still looking a bit, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't properly sleeping. I was drif- oh, Yeah, I wasn't just was drifting in and out of sleep. So that sort of weighed me up. We had a chat for about half an hour. But this point is about 2am and I fell asleep again at 2.30. Uh, Kez and, uh, I think it was Kez came back, with, and Ed uh, Edsel maybe came back as well. No, Edsel was 3.30. Kez came back in at 2.30. You can see where this is going. Kez came back in at 2.30. Oh, hello, everyone! Uh, if, you've, if you've met Kez on a night out, she's very enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, and that was exactly how she was at 2.30 when she walked into the hospital room. So that went me up again. I got back to sleep, about three o'clock. Uh, and then 3.30, Edsel walked in. And uh, same thing again. Hello, hello, guys. I don't know why everyone thought it was appropriate to say hello as they walked into the hostel room. Basically, every time I got woken up, 4.30, Michael Parr walks in. He's been chatting to an Irish girl all evening. Gets back at 4.30, same thing again. Wakes me up. 6 a.m., the doorbell rings. Hey, hey, everyone. Look, everyone's too hungover for the Stella Artois brewery tour, and no one's coming. Alex, you didn't go out last night. You need to come. But obviously... (laughs) <laughs> I had probably like four hours of horrendously broken sleep. So I went on this brewery tour, but oh my word, it was not ideal. Oh, come oh, on, was a like few a beers saw exactly. <laughs> I mean,
2: if there's a time to do a brewery tour, you think 6pm rather than 6am as well. You exactly. Know, beer for breakfast isn't a bad shout, but maybe not after a night out. Well,
1: that was the other thing as well. We got there and we were waiting around for about two hours at the start.
2: Well, maybe their idea was Hair of the Dog. You know, they they thought everyone would be out the night before and they you know sober everyone up by taking some more.
1: Yeah, but it's a trip to Brussels. It's not a music festival, you know? Like True. Yeah.
2: <laughs> True. It's the time and a place for Harry the dog. True, true. Yeah, I mean, right. I didn't go to Brussels. I, I, I had, mm. I had planned to, but I had something come up in January, from I Yeah, yeah.
0: Then let's, uh, let's, let's though jump to the the Barcelona trip yeah. and hear a little bit about that and uh, yeah. and the the top story that you have from Barcelona. <sighs> Barcelona was,
2: it was it was, it was good. A great trip. Yeah, it was lovely because you know Barcelona's a beautiful city. It's I, I've been once before ten, ten years ago. Um, and I sort of did a whistle stop tour, you know, as a nine year old. I don't remember much, but I went this time, and the architecture is absolutely stunning. You know, Gaudi leaves his mark all over the city. Mm. And my personal favorite cultural thing we did there mm. was going to the Sagrada Familia. Because when I went there ten years ago, you know, it's still not finished now. going to be another twenty years or so before it is. But you know, half of it was was still you know not open to the public. But we went there this year. And it's just stunning the detail yeah. in, that's into the into the cathedral. Even the smallest bits. You know, there's a game of Sudoku on, uh, like a, a religious Sudoku thing that's just been you know put onto. <laughs> Sudoku, right, it? yeah, it's yeah. amazing the detail. And there's also this oxidized, uh, the colours in the cathedral with the light. It's really, you, if if it's hard to explain how beautiful that place is because I'm not very religious myself, but you just gotta appreciate how amazing that is. So I think as a cultural thing we did, that was up there.
1: That was definitely the top yeah. one. I think, I th- yeah, I think La Sagrada Familia is probably but, in my, yeah. my favourite building but, I've ever yeah, been to. Yeah, it has
2: to be. Like but adventure-wise, that trip, we sort, of, <laughs> we, <laughs> sort of all, we sort of buggered off, you know, in the afternoon. After, you know, we had did something in the morning. or something. I think it might have been to talk or something. And yeah. the afternoon came around we were kind of you know, bored. We didn't know what to do. And then I think we were sat in a coffee shop. with the six of Alex, Kez, Ed, Edwin, and I think Grace was there as well. Yeah. Uh, and we were sat in a coffee shop and we saw this mountain in the distance, there's it, it, a big hill. It's like a mountain, sort of big hill. And we were like, should we go up it? And so it, it, on, it, on a I think, whim, I think
1: you're not really clarifying here. Like, this mountain is not. It's it's not like a hill yeah, nearby. No. This is like properly on the horizon. Yeah, it was like good, a
2: good five miles away. <laughs> so so we we figured out the metro route or a bus route to the mountain. And then
0: half of us, you know, felt a bit lazy, so got... Okay, but whose who's idea was the mountain so that there's someone to blame it on later?
1: When it, was, it, was, oh, I think it was Kezia, I it think. Was Ke, I think it, it. She it she sounds like her, a idea. It's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a Kez idea.
2: <laughs> anyway, anyway, half of us got us tax at the mountain, and they, they walked it stupidly. So they missed this beautiful sunset that happened. But we got up there, and there's amazing sort of...
1: I walked it, but...
2: Did you? Yeah, you yeah, walked in. I, I
1: walked, Mikes and Edwin walked yeah. it, and you guys got. Literally, they ordered an Uber to the bottom of a mountain. From the uh, bottom to the top. <laughs> you Wait, it you didn't a, even walk up the mountain? It was a heavy night the night
2: before, Mark. It was. Oh. It was so, right, oh. so the stamina was weak. That, that was a, a bit Stamina was weak. So, we yeah. we, we got, we, but we did see more of the sunset. Oh, so, disappointing. And it was only a couple of years each. But we got there, and there's like an abandoned theme park up there. It was really bizarre. Mm. Um, and there was also a church, which was quite nice again. Catholics do know how to build a church, and yeah, that was a lovely church there. And as as the Sagrada Familia is a brilliant church as well. Um, so the, up there. the view though was the just... view was the view was just insane. You know, you could see mm. because you saw the coastline was Barcelona's coast, obviously. This beautiful sort of you see Sagrada Familia, and it's the, the way that Barcelona's formatted it, its this grid system. So looking at it from above, you see this amazing see architecture, yeah. and the way the city had sort of been planned out from a bird's eye view, and it's just a beautiful sort of on the whim. Experience and I think that was probably my highlight of that trip.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you are coming on the Athens trip and you're looking at that activity list and you're like, oh, I don't know about that one this afternoon. Maybe I want to go for a spontaneous walk of a mountain, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as we did. Yeah, uh, maybe do it because it might be really cool.
2: Yeah, some, it, some of the best things that we do are just you know, completely sort of spontaneous, sort of, off the off the itinerary, just you know, go off with mates and bonding. Really.
0: Yeah, so yeah. What, I, what I'm hearing here is uh, good. S- the, everything is going to be spontaneous, fun, and uh, well, interesting.
2: Well, you said we're going to get in. The man who's organised the, mm. the Athens and trip. And he's going
1: to tell us a bit Should more I about the him now? That actually is. I yeah, yeah let's, get him, yeah, in okay, now. let's exactly.
2: get him in
0: now. Get him it's in good now, stuff. So. We're back here with uh, with Matt, uh, who uh, apparently was the original creator of the name Pep Talk, which was then stolen by Ed, but uh, but mm-hmm. we won't get too far
3: into that. Matt plans trips, and he's going to tell us about the Athens trip. Well, I, th- I think it's more I planned trip, singular. <laughs> I'm not planning on doing this again. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys have already been talking about how important the trip is and how much of a difference it makes in some of the stories, but for me, it's it's about finding that balance of having somewhere that's a great place to go that's cheap, but also somewhere that's had a really strong history over the past few years that's got a lot of things we've got to discuss, and we've got some great people to discuss it with. Uh, we're talking to someone from the political party Syriza, and someone called Apostolis Fotialis, who is a journalist who specialises in sort of... Greek-Turkey relations and the migrant crisis and a lot of really, really interesting, relevant things that we can talk about and there will be more to come, I'm sure, in the next few weeks.
1: Fantastic. And we're also doing a few cultural things as well whilst we're there.
3: We are. We've got a little tour of the Acropolis because you can't not. We're staying right next to it. You couldn't avoid doing the the Acropolis. Rumours of a football match. Yes. We are going to watch a team. Panathinaikos. That's the one. Play a football (laughs) match. and. See the old Olympic stadium, so, you know, sport, old and new. There's plenty of uh, tavernas and then clubs. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: I'm sure. And we don't have anything planned before midday, am I right in thinking? Oh, God, no. <laughs> good. Okay, good stuff. So scheduled hangovers are definitely a thing on this trip, unlike Brilliant. previous ones. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah,
0: we'd like to thank Matt for coming on and, uh, and talking to us about the trip. Uh, we're all really looking forward to it, and uh, I think he's only adding to the excitement. So,
1: <laughs> We'll see you soon. Yeah, yeah definitely. See
0: you at Manchester Airport at 2 a.m.
1: Yes, <laughs> for that coach.
0: Excellent. Yeah, going to be a party bus. Yeah,
2: it's going to be a,
0: less of a coach. Yeah. All right, now we'd like to move on to the committee announcements from, uh, from our, a couple of our committee members here for the Next Terms events, this uh, ball that you guys have been planning. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, well, um, the, the 12-hour ball was sort of a... Uh I don't know, not a rite of passage for It's the second best thing
1: in the year, yeah, I th-
2: think. Well, I think, yeah, it is it's, it's sort of a rite of passage for PP students, right? <laughs> so so it's the, the, the clue is in the name, you know. We go to the Hilton in New York, which is where we have the freshest ball as well this year. We go there for um, dinner at 6 p.m. You get there for then. And then the idea is to stay out the entire night, and then you go back there for breakfast, which is at 6 a.m., so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marathon, and mm. doing the whole twelve hours is a very impressive feat. Uh, I did it my first year. I didn't do it last year because I was in Manchester for a gig. Alex didn't do it last year. I th- have you done I it?
1: Did. I did it, I've done it both you years. I've done, done it both years. I won't both. have this
2: slander, slander but he me. doesn't eat the full English breakfast because he's a vegetarian, what so it doesn't right? really count. Um, <laughs> On a technicality, he's got you there. I've got him there. Got that him is there. not a technicality. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I still no. have me
1: ash browns and the uh, fried eggs and yeah. whatever. No, but the twelve out of the twelve-hour ball is a is a brilliant event. I think the, the trick with the twelve-hour ball is to pace yourself. I've heard stories of people last year that didn't make it beyond the first drink at the Hilton, uh, which is yeah, don't yeah. pre. Don't, but, don't don't pre. Wait, do what do you pre. mean don't pre? Or oh, oh, no, oh, bring it This this is this is something that I've been wanting to bring up with
0: a couple of committee members. What is with those ridiculous prices at the Hilton bar? Is is there any oh, way we can get yeah, those? They bad, no, because aren't they? Yeah. they are bad. People that's the reason people pre so much, especially I'm for saying, going out after
1: that. I think what you do though is you, you have your meal at the Hilton and then you start drinking after. Oh, so okay. you bring a hip flask or something. I'm not, I'm not telling you to bring oh, yeah, a hip flask bring into the Hilton. Hip flask. <laughs> for legal purposes, please don't bring a hip flask into the Hilton. But I will be. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: they don't know what's in there, you know. It's, uh,
1: yeah, well, true. I
0: was like, all right, all right, how about you there, Alex? What was your best 12-hour bar experience?
1: I mean, it's sort of the anarchic nature of it makes yeah. it, really. The, the, I mean, Charlie, you turned up halfway through the night from a gig in Manchester, didn't you? Yeah,
2: I did. I, I came back and I got off the Transplant Express delayed service, obviously, and ran straight to, to Revs actually via flair so i went to flares first with some other people and then i a sketchy move and man. then i i know it was sketchy i gotta apologize I won't, it won't be happening this year don't <laughs> worry um and then came to revs and then end up in voodoo and you didn't see me in voodoo but no, I'm, are, sure I,
1: I'm sure i did see you briefly because you were wearing some to... weird bandana or something, oh, i was
2: you? i was wearing a bandana <laughs> uh, so we, well, we all were what, there what, what did
1: it say on the bandana Oh, i
2: didn't say it, it was like a purple gold situation mm. i was plugging vanborough
0: college because you know why not
2: that's the best one to go for but um no it was a it was a funny night it was a funny night it always is so,
0: before, so what you're saying is that we should just be looking forward to this, this oh uh, yeah, this absolutely. event next term and that it's a, it's a crucible for every uh oh yeah. yeah yeah no but apart from
2: that we've also got i mean looking further forward to the year we're gonna have well ideally we have much more speaker events you know yeah um yeah with you, definitely with you but then there's also the big barbecue thing which normally happens at the end of the year which is a joint event with Econ So. By that point, the new committee will have taken over, which is looking really far into the future. But yeah, so the the, the twelve hour balls sort of our last hurrah, just um, uh, just
0: a lot of good stuff to be looking forward to. Exactly, and that's in, in, that's in short, uh, yeah. that's good to hear. Mm. All right, so moving on from that, we also have a message for uh, for the first years. We want you to be more involved. There are some new first year uh, first years officers or.
1: Reps, I think it's first a year reps, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, which are Vlad and uh, and John. You've seen them in the uh, York PPE Facebook chat, if you're in that. And uh, they'll be putting on a poll towards the end of the week, probably probably right at end of term, to see what exactly you guys are interested in doing mm. uh, in the next term, as far as socials versus more academic events versus more speakers events, because we haven't had one yet, and uh, and and those kind of a thi- those kind of things. So please watch out for that. Please. Please vote for that. It'll be on all uh, Club of Pep social media, so that'll be that'll be well coordinated. We just want to hear from you. We want first years to be more involved, mm. and uh, I mean, you guys can talk on that a little bit if you want to. But
1: yeah, I think well, like the, the first year rep is a really cool position to be actually because you get you're, well, you're representing the club to all the the whole of the year, which is you know it's a it's unique a big position. Thing, yeah. yeah, the whole
2: idea of our committee this year, this sort of cohort in in charge. That we're trying to really you know push. The, the not influence but the engagement of the club and I think John and Vlad are too you know they're very you know out there and they, they're outgoing they're happy to talk to people about that so you know getting them to sort of get you involved as first years is is really key. It's I vital, think. yeah. And, to and the, the other Jefferson thing that the
1: club. that's important to make clear as well is the, the club of Peppers is an organic body that anyone can really sort of take charge of and get involved in. Obviously, we have a committee, but just because you're not on committee doesn't mean you can't come to us with ideas for events and that sort of thing. We will absolutely listen to those, and more than likely, we'll we'll be up for it pretty much as well. well it's especially not, you know, for crazy. Vlad and John, that's mm. that's going to be important.
0: If you guys go up to them and talk with them, they're going to have nothing to say at committee meetings if if you guys don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so 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 the they're they're there to listen to you and uh, I am of course as well and I think mm. everybody on the committee is. Yeah. We we want to hear from you and we want to make the make the club just just better in general. And that's what we're looking to do with the, the podcast, uh, the events next term and just uh yeah just in general.
2: Yeah, so I mean if you've got any queries as well I'll just jump on that on the Instagram page, you know, there's mm. there's I think uh, as we're talking now they'll be uploaded like a sort of bio Person by person, sort of photo and role attached. So, you know, if you have only got role specific questions, you know, to please do feel free to get in touch with anyone committee because we don't bite and you know we're happy to you know ch- yeah. answer any questions you have.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, we are doing that. Those posts on, on Instagram. So that I mean, the club of is not really. Uh a society like other societies, and as much as that, it's more of like a support group for people. <laughs> support group makes it sound a bit <laughs> as if we're oh in a negative situation. Yeah, yeah, you've only yeah. Well, yeah, you've got three years here doing a tough PPE degree. No, it's <laughs> we're here to, to support the students oh, primarily. Yeah. Can I mention we should mention the PAL? As well, PAL the PAL scheme, yeah. So I mentioned this earlier as like one of mine in kez's key manifesto points, which kez has done an amazing job of organising. Yeah. So Charlie, do you want to talk a bit about? Well, the PAL.
2: I I think if you're in first year and you know you do maths one, which is all of you, um you'd know that there is a PAL peer-assisted learning session that happens. Is it, it, what day it's it? uh, Monday. Uh, wait. Six yeah, to yeah like,
0: Mondays six to
2: eight. Yeah, it hasn't changed since our first year, and that's really helpful. I think I found it really helpful at least because you know you don't just get a point in second year, third year contact, but it also helps you sort of you know, someone who's had a university experience helping you learn into university mm-hmm. sort of content as well. And also if you're struggling with the content, obviously helps there as well.
0: Especially having done A-level maths. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Preci-
2: precisely. So, I mean, that we've also set up, well, where the Kez has done an amazing job, as Alex just said, on setting up this economics one um, peer-assisted learning sessions, which are going to kick off in spring. Uh, and so this is a call to arms um, for any second or third years as well. Feel free to get involved and help out as well because you know that help is really appreciated. But first years, if you're struggling with economics at all, that really is the place to go to sort of get get um a bit
1: of guidance.
2: Guidance exactly, and you know, but from peers contact. as
1: well. Like it's not it's not just other. It's people that have learned the module. It's not top down. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly yeah. It's people that have learned the module <laughs> the year before. I think the other thing that's important as a sort of a wider context, I suggest, is that we've, you know, we said the Club of Pep is an organic thing you can get involved with. Um, and I think the PALS scheme just shows that if you've got an idea for how to improve the teaching at the university or how to make things more accessible to students, there's no reason you can't just take that idea and run with it. I mean. Keza's idea yeah it, it's a great it's, example of that exactly' yeah. of the Club of has got a bit more weight, but there's no reason that could have just been another student who said right, I want to set up a pal scheme.
0: Yeah
2: yeah, precisely. It really is an example of you know and then
0: you guys would have listened to them and take him seriously which exactly, is, exactly yeah. Yeah. That's been my experience so far as well. Yeah, saying podcast in a uh, in a committee meeting after saying it once in my speech, and then be, and then Alex jumping in and be like, yeah, I'm, we're booked for next Tuesday. And be like, oh,
2: yeah, it's <laughs> a great idea. You know, if you've got a good idea, you know, we'd we'll, we'll, we'll try and do as much as we can to get it in place. You
0: know, as we should.
1: Yeah, but yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So uh, moving on from that, we're going to go into a little bit more of a topical, not debate, but discussion about the possibility of the privatisation of the NHS. Under a uh, conservative government, if they if they were to come back into power uh, after December twelfth, yeah. And uh, briefly, since I, I am American, if you couldn't hear that, I'd like to just talk about uh, the the American uh, healthcare system, because there there is a lot of different information out here in the UK about about having to pay. What, what yeah. did you say earlier? I mean, Charlie? I saw I saw a video this afternoon, which was like.
2: It was a, uh, a, a I don't know, it was an interview going around the street saying asking British people sort of how much they expected things to cost on them in the US health, like they said, so examples of childbirth, someone said a oh, hundred dollars, thirty thousand dollars was the sort of proposed ambulance call out oh, no, sorry, it's ten thousand dollars for that, but it ranges to thirty thousand. Ambulance call out one thousand five hundred dollars. Uh also two F pens, six hundred dollars. I don't know how accurate these figures are though. Or if that's being misconstrued as, you know, misinformation.
0: No, and that that is going to be largely accurate. It depends on the state and it depends on the... It definitely depends on the state and the region because what tends to happen is insurance companies are going to be that middleman. Right. And the m- money flowing in between hospitals, hospitals which then pay doctors and nurses, and insurance companies is going to be the, the main place where these costs are going to be felt. What it really comes down to is if you have insurance, right. that insurance is... Going to be very good. Okay. And if you're able to pay for it and you have it, you're going to get very good coverage. You're going to get very good service. You're going to be able to. You're not going to have any waiting time. You're going yeah. to be able to see your doctor when you want to see your doctor. All of that's great. American healthcare and healthcare outcomes are great when you have insurance. Yeah. The issue is when insurance is expensive and you're paying 200 a month for your family, 250 a month for your family for the most basic plan, and if you can't cover that and you decide as a young person to be uninsured. Mm. And then you come into something where, let's say, you get you get diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah. And then you try and get health care coverage. And the rates go up and up and up. The rates will go up extremely because you already had diabetes when you now applied for health insurance. Right. So there's not okay. much incentive to get 20-year-old people who are very healthy uh, in general to get on paying for their... Health insurance right away. Get off of their parents' plans. I think you can stay on your parents' plans till you're 26, actually. Okay. But there, you're you're paying your massive student loan debt. Yeah. And you're just getting your feet under you as an adult, and it's it's very difficult to then turn around and start paying for insurance right away. And yeah. I, I think so,
1: this this whole narrative actually sort of just assumes that people are coming from an income anyway where they can afford to pay for the insurance in the first place. There's a lot of people in the UK who will be already living in poverty who if you know, they they won't be able to afford health insurance. But then mm-hmm. you're looking at basically people getting into more debt, who are already in bad positions uh, because they've then had to pay healthcare bills because they haven't had insurance. Yeah. Well, the, it, the issue mean, is it, it doesn't even. Regressive.
0: It doesn't even. It's not even about poverty versus not poverty. Half of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Mm. And aren't able to cover a five hundred dollar medical expense if yeah. that were to come across the table at them. So, so that's that's where the real issue comes from. But then if we want to lead in from there into uh, sort of the implications of Brexit. On the NHS, and um, well, really, this this goes back to a speech a couple months ago from from Vice President Mike Pence, and he talked about the possibility of a tenfold increase in trade between the UK and the US. Which mm. definitely, on the surface, and how Pence presented it, is a is a positive thing. But there is the possibility of uh, a sort of back channel buyout of the NHS by American big pharma because they'd love to get into that UK market. It's becoming it's become a massive sort of political football. And the NHS has always been a political football.
2: You know, there's always been this I saw a compilation of headlines earlier the other day which was like 12 hours to save the NHS, 72 hours to save the NHS, every sort of time the election rolls round. The evidence that's been presented as to why this, the NHS is supposedly on the table for trade talks with the US, there was a speech by Donald Trump in a summit with Theresa May just before she left the premiership in June. He was asked about the implications of a trade deal. Post Brexit, he didn't just say everything on the table. He said the NHS would most certainly be on the table in a trade deal. It's becoming a worry, you know. Jeremy Corbyn had this massive 415-page dossier that was released last week by Labour Party with this supposed proof that that the NHS was was going to be, you know, on on the table for proper trade talks, you know. And you know, um, I, I haven't read the 415-page uh, dossier, but uh, if there is this cold hard evidence that it's been discussed,
0: yeah, Alex, if we could bring
1: you in, yeah. what, what do you what what would you have to say about that? I think, given that there seems to be now and there are, there are questions, I have to say, actually, over the origins of these and this potential that it's uh, been leaked by a group called Secondary Infection. The, the origin of these documents has come from a foreign source um, and, and that's how it's reached the Labour Party. However, I think the content of the document is probably more important than the origin. For me, it presents proof that the Conservatives are looking to essentially sell the NHS by the back door. And I think this is a party that has been in power now for nine years, nine years. Uh, in various forms, obviously, with coalition governments as well. But it's a party with a leader that is, is is a known liar who's been fired twice for lying. I thought the most telling thing was actually in the in the television debate recently, where both leaders, Corbyn and Johnson, were asked, "How can, how can the electorate trust you?" And for me, neither of them gave a convincing answer to that question. Well, I think it's
2: it's the politics of sound bites now, you know, and
1: it's. It, uh, whatever way, you don't get any straight
2: talking politicians in as party leaders anymore. I, I,
0: well, and it kind of seems to me that the NHS just just from an outside. I've studied British politics for, for a couple of years before, yeah, but not not having not having lived here, and I didn't understand the extent to which l- the love for the NHS and the the care at point of need, yeah. is, is like is held over here. So, so my question would be, if we are going to say. All right, all these politicians might be liars, but like, are, are we going to go with the devil we know or the devil we don't? What would be your opinion on that? Firstly, it's neither for me because I can't, I can't, I don't like either of them. So yeah. if, if it's on the NHS purely,
2: it would yeah. be John, uh, Corbyn with with the information. But every time the election comes around, there's always this Tories against the NHS, and you know. Oh, is it really re- every time? It's every time. But the, the, uh. the ironic thing is that the, the privatization of the NHS actually began on the Labour government in 1907. Yeah. and so there's there's slowly been more and more privatization. Which well, people you don't say really
0: privatization, but what, what, what I've yeah. looked at, what I've read, is that there, even even if there is more privatization of the NHS, just as a general thing under the Conservative government, if they were to win again, yeah. It seems as though there's not going to be any privatization of the patient care no, exactly. aspect of the NHS, where it's going to be more like the IT systems that run in hospitals exactly. are going to be privatized, yeah. or uh, surgeries will stay privatized. Exactly, and, exactly yeah. those kind of um, those kind of things. But I
2: think the fear is at this time because we've got a whole Brexit capitalist yeah. and the free trade deal, which is going to be happening. That's why people are worried this time. You know, beforehand. I'd, I'd be more inclined to agree and you know, I wouldn't worry about it as much. It might just be, you know, telehealth systems, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> maybe some things are going to be privatised, but it's still credit to the grave, free care for the, for, the, for the British person. But it's just the, the issue with the, with the EU, think that adds into this sort of catalyst.
1: That is exactly the issue for me as well. I think with the catalyst of Brexit now, we are looking at an election that could be decisive in terms of the future of the NHS. And I think the Conservatives, if they were to win a majority, which is looking like it may well happen, will see that as a mandate. Uh, to dismantle the NHS, regardless of whether they've said that or not. Because I I think it's fairly transparent.
0: I I disagree with that, just because of how often... There have been conservative voices saying we are not going to sell off the NHS. It seems like there's a mandate against it, even. It, so if they were to sell sell off the NHS in in the idea that they make it into a privatized system yeah. like the US or uh, or like any other private system, then I think that they would lose every election from now until the end of time. Well, I think, I, I think that's gradually. an interesting
1: that's an interesting this idea because I think actually over the last couple of years we've seen a Conservative government that has failed to get Brexit delivered despite consistent promises that it would do. And I think actually, regardless of the outcome of the next election, whatever government comes into power, and it will probably be a Labour-led government or a Conservative-led government, let's be honest, it will be a government that probably fails to deliver on some of its key promises because the Conservatives are saying they're going to get Brexit done in the year, which, although, yes, we might get a withdrawal deal, and agreement through... Uh, it won't be EU. a trade deal, though. It won't be it will a trade be a deal. no-deal
2: Brexit at the end of the year.
1: And, and then we'll have to deal with the... Pick up the pieces, that. And, yeah. and, and that will uh, be a process that could take up uh, to seven years. So Brexit will not be done for the you know foreseeable future, really. And by then, we'll have another election anyway. In terms of the Labour government as well, they've also got issues with their manifesto. I have a lot of issues with the Labour's cost. I, mean, we're I we're think we, we're today, getting off the topic are, of the yeah. NHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so
0: if we bring it back on a topic, could I get like a yes or no from you guys? Do you think that the Conservative government, whether they state it or not, whether there are elements within the Conservative... Conservative Party that are trying to privatise the NHS. Yes, they're trying to privatise it more, but we won't see an overnight sort of move mm-hmm. to payment,
2: the insurance methods that you sort of talked about in in the US. But it, it's just sort of laying the groundwork. That's the worry. It's the fact that the groundwork is being slope laid. Kind of a thing. Exactly. It's a slippery slope. How about, how about you, Alex?
1: My honest answer is that I don't know, and for me, that's more worrying because yeah, that is worrying. I, I don't know where you know Boris Johnson and the leadership of the Conservative Party currently are not politicians that sorry it sounds like I'm getting emotional so I just have something in my throat Uh, not politicians that I can trust uh, on on any issue and I think the NHS is so as you said Mark you you know you've mentioned how important it is to the UK electorate and I think that is going to be very interesting in terms of this election and and seeing how this election turns out not, not only in terms of result but what the aftermath is because I think yeah I think it's almost a poison chalice again this next one because i think it seems like a recurring the is, theme he's in a bad situation at the moment yeah, yeah. and uh whoever picks up the pieces from this election will probably find themselves in some significant uh, political bother somewhere down the line very shortly anyway exactly yeah well a
0: uh, great happy place to leave it on but I, <laughs> but I think that's been a that's been a that's been a solid discussion there well thank you uh to charlie and uh, alex for coming in and uh, and talking on pep talk uh, zero zero one for our first episode, first ever. It's been uh, it's been great, great experience. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, guys. Thank, thank, you, thank you very, for very much. much. Having us. And if you guys want to find uh, or find me, find uh, the, this podcast, uh, uh, have your ideas included, or to even be on, at Club of Pep on all social media. I'd love to hear from you. I'll see you guys soon.